no one in the world is going to send you $2 if you send them $1. Can we do that on the podcast? Send us $2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send, us- <laughs> send us a dollar. We'll send you back two. Except for us. We will do that. If you send or, us $1,000 in Bitcoin. Send us $2 and we'll send you back one. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And I have with me, because, you know, I couldn't get anybody else to come, Prasanna Malianti. <laughs> Thanks, Curtis. I love you, too. How's it going up there in, in the Bay Area? I'm good. I'm good. I have to ask you, how was your two weeks off? Oh, my two your weeks vacation. off was, oh, yes. It was amazing. It was so relaxing. I uh, did... Two weeks of nonstop manual labor working around my ah, house. That basically. sounds like a p- good vacation for a staycation, I should say. I installed three toilets. I created a drawer, a custom drawer system. I reorganized my garage and my office. I literally just nonstop. It was not it was not good. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm, now I'm glad to be back to work. And uh, hopefully our listeners are glad to have you and I back at this job since they had to listen to older recordings uh, before, but it was still good stuff. Uh, I'll just say our usual disclaimer. Uh, although Prasanna and I do both work for Druva, this is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are our own. Prasanna's. <laughs> uh, once again, we have a first time guest on uh, the podcast here. He has been in IT for just slightly less than I have. He, he said uh, he's been there uh, over 25 years, and he's done a variety of jobs. He is now the CEO of Actual Tech Media. You can follow him on LinkedIn. Just search on Scott Lowe. Welcome to the podcast, Scott Lowe. Thank you for having me, Curtis, and it's been a great 25 years. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, Scott. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I yeah. So let's talk about the Scott Lowe problem, right? I I was just looking up when I looked you up on opportunity. Uh, oh yeah, I was <laughs> okay. Yeah. Opportunity. I've been told that the word for problem and the word for opportunity is the same word in in Mandarin. Have you ever heard that? I have heard that actually. I don't know if it's true. I don't know. Maybe one of our listeners can can you know tell us that tell us if that's true. We have, according to my records, we have six listeners in China. So (laughs) maybe, maybe one of them can reply, but yeah, so there is Scott Lowe, the the book author, and he's, I think Scott Lowe on Twitter, right? Is it at at Scott Lowe? And you are at other Scott Lowe. That's correct. Because you were often always being confused with him. Yeah. And it was actually a joke to do the other thing. And it sort of took on a life of its own. Yeah, it did. And then at, I, I was just searching for you on LinkedIn, uh, just as Scott Lowe. And I noticed that I am actually connected to four Scott Lowe's in the IT industry, which is just, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. You're lucky. <laughs> yeah. You are the only one I am. For, what do they call it? You're, you're my one first connection. Okay. You, got it. Yeah. So you're my special Scott Lowe. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I got it. That's it. I'm done. Thanks, guys. Nice talking to you. Uh, Scott, Scott, and I did a little little traveling together. Uh, we did some we did some sessions together back back in the day. 
did a little speaking. When, when I realized that you were going to be coming on the show, I, I thought about what had happened in the last few weeks that was interesting. And while I was on vacation, the Twitter hack happened, which uh, it, it either happened while I was on vacation or it happened just before I was on vacation, something like that. I don't know. Prasada, do you want to do you want to summarize what happened there? Yeah, basically what ended up happening from what I recall is someone hacked into a bunch of very prominent verified accounts. I think Obama's Twitter account was hacked. I think Elon Musk, maybe even Tim Cook, I can't recall. But and basically someone put a spam message saying send Bitcoin to this address. And I think that they had also ended up downloading direct messages for, I want to say Mm -hmm. it was five accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, that they had identified, or at least that Twitter later identified, but they didn't say whose it was. And but those were unverified or non-blue checkmarked accounts. But I think overall it was 130 accounts that got hacked. That does sound about right. And and there's there, there's there's so much in there to unpack, right? So the the first thing that comes to mind when you were talking about this was that they put this you know, spammy message of like, Hey, send, send this amount to, to this account via Bitcoin and I will send it back to you twofold. Who is falling for that? (laughs) That's the thing I don't understand. Like apparently a lot of people, you know what I mean? Like it was a lot of people and yes, it came from the official Twitter account of famous people, but who thinks that Obama is going to give them 2000 if they give? why would he do that? Like, I just, I, there's probably some context here, given the timing, where there's so many people that are that are really facing desperate times. Probably anything that mm. looks like it could be a mm. lifeline, they might not be demonstrating the kind of judgment that they would normally demonstrate if things weren't dire. Okay, I don't know. All right, so I'm not. I I I don't know any. Does it? Do either of you know anyone personally that? I don't know anyone personally, but just going to Scott's point, I could totally see, like, hey. Maybe you're unemployed. Maybe you're laid off. Maybe you're on unemployment. The extra federal stimulus was running out. And maybe you're like, hey, now is a chance for me to just make a little extra money. And the blue check mark is supposed to be that sign of trust, right? Yeah. So, I mean, from a social engineering standpoint, these people got the right accounts. They went out with the right message and they saw success, which I'm not saying that criminality is a successful thing. But in this case, in that context, they succeeded in achieving their goal, which is unfortunate for a lot of people. And fortunately, my understanding, the end of the story, at least one and, and allegedly like the mastermind, if you will, behind this thing, which is this Graham Ivan Clark, a 17 year old Florida man, Florida has he has been identified and arrested and they're saying that he has over $3 million worth of Bitcoin assets. I, I don't know if all of that came from this or do, do you think this was his first hack? I don't know. You know, it, it seems rather, um, I don't know either if it was his first hack, he got really lucky and hit the, hit the lottery. Uh. Um, or he's been doing smaller stuff to kind of figure out where he needed to where he needed to shore up his processes and he, then he learned and adapted and overcame. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Right. I, 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 the answer to my question is not in the articles that I've looked at. Uh, there, there was speaking of uh, adapting um, part of the story. So 
my understanding is via social engineering of one or more Twitter employees. I think it was a support guy specifically. Was it support guy? Yeah. So, so they have, have they identified the, the person? No, uh, but I think it was more in the support organization, which okay. eventually let them have access to the tools. Okay, I've here's seen, news. Twitter has a support organization. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen two things. One is that there was a social engineering effort where they were able to get Twitter employees to give up their credentials. And also there was another article that read that attackers claimed that they bribed the Twitter employee for access to their control panel. But there's, there's obviously some challenges I'm sure you're going to go into about why either one of those things could possibly work in the first place. Um, but yeah. so it sounds like it was a, it was a multiple multi-pronged attack. Yeah. So the, the, yeah, I've heard it, I've heard it as well. I, I, I tend to lean more towards the, um, the social engineering method, Agreed. right. That they, that they did something um, that somehow I, I I just don't know how that works. Uh, the, the 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 bribery thing works as well too, right? Uh, I hope they bribe that Inside person actor? a lot of money. Well, well, that you know that's one of the things that does come up to me is that so many hacks are insider threats, right? Uh, and which is why I bring that up all the time when we talk about backup and recovery. And when, when I talk about things like Office 365 and Salesforce and why those things need to be backed up and that I don't trust what Office 365 does, because what if a insider person goes in and basically disables all of the features of Office 365? Um, and I, I've been accused of, of, you know, seeing insider threats everywhere I go. Right. To which I say, you know, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean nobody's out to get you. Um, so so this definitely couldn't have happened without insider access. Right. But Scott, why don't you talk? So you brought it up. Why don't you talk about what you mean? Because I know exactly I think I know exactly what you mean, that this never should have been able to happen. Two things. One is Twitter was clearly not operating on a principle of least privilege. Basically, the in a well-secured organization, people have all of the rights they need to do to do specifically do to, to specifically do their jobs and no more. And no more. And no God and, mode. <laughs> no God mode. And that's actually what I was going to go to next. Basically, these employees appeared to have had God mode. And so they had admin access to everyone and anyone, which meant that and that again, I think without the user the big problem there to me from a privacy and security perspective is that those users may not have known that some random Twitter employee could get that much access to their accounts without them even knowing about I, it. Yeah. I really don't think that they knew at all. Right. Um, and uh, so I'm glad you brought up the, the least access. So that, what, so we've covered on the podcast, we've covered uh, GDPR and one of the most egregious GDPR fines was a hospital, I think in Italy, or it might have been Spain, where in, in order to make access for all employees of the hospital easy, they just gave everybody doctor-level privilege in the medical record system, and that just made everything easier. <laughs> It <laughs> instead does. of following the rule of instead of following the rule of least privilege and giving you know the appropriate level, and that and that that was a huge fine for like huge meaning like it was nowhere near, near the size of the fine that was charged Google, but in terms of 
percentage of revenue, it was a huge fine because they're like, look, clearly you didn't care at all. So let's, so we go back to Twitter. Clearly Twitter didn't care at all about security because I don't know they, if that's fair though, right? Why it's built into their design that they have God level access oh, true. to any right. and every account with no notification because the other thing that came up was I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of S- Salesforce. So I've used Salesforce a lot and I've had situations where um, I've needed the, the, the best way to move forward is to give support uh, full access to my account to be me. Cause if you're going to be me, you really need my permission. And in Salesforce, you, the, you can go in and say, grant support, full access to my account and 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 it gives them the per- permission to be you in order to simulate the problem that you're having but a yeah. you have to initiate that and obviously you can immediately revoke it if you want to what in this case it was built into twitter system to allow someone in their you know multiple someones apparently to become uh to, you know to not just take control of your account and, and, you know, and change a password over, but to, to become you. Um, yeah. Yeah. The word become there is interesting because this is a little bit of an aside, but way very early in my career, I can't remember which system it was on. I've, I've, I started out on a data general MV type system. So it could have been that it could have been some other Unix system, but we actually had a command called become and then username. And that's all it took as long as you had admin rights. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. That was all it took. And you could then um, mer- uh, masquerade as any user you wanted to, to to better understand their experience and troubleshoot. It was intended to be used as a troubleshooting tool, but it's clear to see how that could be absolutely horribly abused. And that's basically what Twitter gave their admins, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially, I mean, it's, it, Scott, is that any different than the age old SU command? Right. Not I mean, really. I, I mean, mean, if you're root no. in a in a standard Unix system, you can do su dash Curtis, and boom, you are Curtis with Curtis's environment. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And that's why people stop su, and we we went to sudo and all of these other things. Right. Um, that's why we changed many of those practices. Do Do you think I'm being too hard on Twitter there? I don't. I mean, honestly, okay. I don't know if you're aware, Curtis, but we're in something of a dicey political climate in the United States, and Twitter's right in the middle of it. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. Yeah. The company to actually have what amounts to, and again, I don't know all the details. I just know what I've read. So there's probably more to it than I, than I know. But from what it appears, they had, I mean, that probably a way to describe their security as craptastic. And mm. it's given the it's a it's a very rich target um if you can get you know access to a swath of accounts i mean you can make you know i mean it would make you know walter white blush um yeah yeah so that was because that was the thing he what he this this person the graham clark what he was able to do was to figure out not just how to access an account but how to access essentially any account that he wanted to access. And he was able to do this, you know, across hundreds of accounts. And he did, speaking of adapting and overcoming, he did um, try this out where he he did this on, where, where he didn't do anything 
uh, that could be detected, he would assume the account and then he would do things like change their profile information to show that he had control over the account. And that's the way he demonstrated to the other hackers in the hacker community, see, I have control over these accounts. And that was that was the way he he got control over a bunch of them without being, because had he gone, had he just, for example, figured out how to reset their password, right? If, if that's what he had done, that I think would have been noticed quickly, right? Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah, he, the users would have yeah. lost access and they would have been trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and so he was able to actually gain control of their password or their account without changing their password. And that's, um, and, but he could change their password. That was one of the things he could do because he also locked them out. Uh, he locked other people out of the account. Right. Um, so because once, once they, um, were doing their bad things, they didn't want to, they didn't want anybody stopping them. They didn't want anybody sending a message saying someone has a control of my account. Right. Um, so what, what could, what could, should they have done? What could, should we do? You know, uh, not just Twitter. And this, this is, you know, even though, yeah, this is the, um, I, I don't think backup could have helped <laughs> here. This no, is one of the, here. this is one of the things where backup could, couldn't have helped. Uh, but good security could have helped. It, what is there? I mean, I, I, I'm 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 just assuming that the listeners of this podcast are smart enough people that they wouldn't have fallen for such a scheme of no one in the world is going to send you two dollars if you send them one dollar. Can we do that on the podcast? Send us two dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send us a dollar. We'll send you back two. Except for us. We will do that. If you send or, us a thousand dollars and send us two dollars and we'll send you back one. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll take two dollars if if you send us two thousand dollars. Because let's not bother this for two. If you send us two thousand dollars, we promise to send you one of it one thousand dollars back. Um, with a with a message that says, "Don't ever send strangers money." So, what do, do we have any like advice for the scared? Advice for the forlorn? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of it's just basic. I mean. I've actually been talking to some other folks this week about sort of security in general and, you know, the role of CISO. And this is going to kind of go meander a little bit, so bear with me. But there's, there is a state in between a door being opened and a door being closed. You can have a door partially open. You can put a screen door. So there's lots of layers that can go in between the user and the data. And from Twitter's case, you know, let's say that for whatever reason, their support people really did need to gain access or have that kind of access to user accounts without going to the user and seeking permission. There should have been some level of requiring a second set of eyes, a second set of credentials, supervisor credentials, something so that someone else could weigh in and say, Hey, this seems kind of weird. Right. That we're, you know, that this is, that this is going on right so now. You sort of, you're proposing sort of a, a dual silo key kind of thing. Yeah, right? exactly. Is there a name for that, by the way? Probably. I think it's other called silo like the, key. Yeah, I, other, I, I always think about submarines where they have the two nuclear keys that they have to turn at the same time. That's always what I think. Yeah, about. We, talk, I what it is. We, we talk a lot about multi-factor authentication, but that's not what this is. This yeah. is requiring two people. Um, I, don't, I don't know what that what that would be called, but that's kind of what you're suggesting there is it, you know, 
even if, and I still reject the possibility that 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 would that it would need to happen at least without user notification. That's because that's the other thing I would say. It's if you're going to do that, it should be user notified. You the user should be notified that someone has become you. I agree with that. The user should have been notified, and I think to your point about multi-factor authentication is still important. The admin side of things, in addition to a second set of eyes, especially because they have access to so much multi-factor authentication. Maybe it was in play and it just failed as well. But if it wasn't, all the all admins should require multi-factor authentication to any services because if they have the keys to the kingdom, their master key unlocks everything, and so you got to make sure that you have something in place so they can't unlock every door if that's not actually them holding the keys. Do you think that it's more common to find traditional companies or older companies kind of following this model where maybe if they were running in their own data center, security is kind of, oh, we have the outsides controlled, so it's okay to do things internally versus companies who are built for the cloud from the beginning where maybe you do always have to worry about multi-factor authentication and these sort of attacks? Yeah, and in fact, I do um, security assessments from time to time, and um, I do see organizations. So I would say that it's gotten a lot better. Um, it used to be where um, you'd go in and you'd look at the list of domain admins in Active Directory, and it would you'd it'd require a ream of paper to print out. <laughs> the um, now things like that have been addressed. There's there's still a, especially in I would call I would say more legacy organizations, um, a, a an unhealthy reliance on edge centric security rather than security that permeates the organization, multi layer security. But that is also getting better, and organizations are starting to do a better job of of implementing tools to look for um, behavior that's not expected, sort of off baseline to raise an anomaly alert that something might be going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that it's perfect yet because it's absolutely not. If it was perfect, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. <laughs> but um, there, organizations have gotten better, but there are still a lot out there that are, that are not doing everything they need to be doing. Yeah. Um, I, 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 again, I thought back to, hundred years ago when I remember being a system administrator at a telecommunications company. We'll just say that. I'm going to cut that out. They, their policy was every, everybody had Unix workstations and they just made everybody, everybody's login. Like let's say my login was Curtis. They made my user ID zero because that way, whenever I was logging into the system, I was logging in as root. Because oh, that boy. because that made it oh. easier for everybody, um, and I came in and I was like, "I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what? What? what I don't well, it just makes it easier." Uh, and I was All like, right. "No." So that's the first thing we're going to do. You know, I basically changed everybody's user ID to some other user ID, and then that broke everything because they had to do like startup files and stuff. And I, I and I remember asking them, you know, well, why don't you? have the system like start up the license manager that you need like after a reboot like you can have it automatically start up and they're like well i don't know how to do that i'm like that's why you don't have root yeah so i think things have changed over time and when you were asking that question persona i was thinking i had to go google twitter is 14 years old which is a pretty young company 
That's why I was saying, and I don't know where Twitter runs, if they are running in the public cloud, or maybe they started on premises or in a data center and moved. I'm not sure. But yeah, that's why I was thinking that they were what I would kind of think about as a company that might have been born and architected for a data center, right? And potentially moving to the cloud. Well, you know, there's more that can be done today. I mean, you know, we talk about these admins having, you know, access to things they shouldn't. I mean, there are tools out there to prevent this sort of thing. We want to have, you know, a second layer of security. There are, you know, privileged access management tools out there from lots of companies now where we can make sure that people are checking out one-time use passwords and things like that. But the applications have to be able to support that. Um, but there's, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, and I'm not going to say this is Twitter's case because they're a huge company, um, although maybe it is the case. Sometimes it just takes an incident before people are willing to actually expend the the funds that are necessary (laughs) and the operational difficulty that it can sometimes induce um, to, to, to make something like that happen. And especially because this was on the support side, right? Usually support tools, they don't change unless there's a big problem. And usually they try to grant more access just to make things easier, right? Versus something potentially on the product side where maybe you are pumping more R&D budget into. Um, so I did a little quick look. Uh, Twitter moved a good portion of their platform over to Google Cloud Platform back in 2018. The core of their technology is Hadoop. They have Makes sense. Th- they have 300 Data. petabytes of Hadoop. I'm surprised it's that little, to be honest. Um, they said that. It says our, our Hadoop file systems host more than 300 petabytes of data across tens of thousands of servers. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time. I just have a hard time with that aspect. Yeah. So there's got to be some multi-factor authentication, making sure that if you do have anybody who has privilege level access before they get that access, there's multi-factor authentication. And then the other is if you do have this God level access, I think, it needs to requ- it needs to require multi-person authentication. It I does. guess would be yeah. The the secure password management tools that are out there from from various companies can help with that as well. Um, but you know, it's still. But I think it goes to what we sort of started the program on is it's not just an on or off security. There's you know the whole point of it is to have a layered approach so that when, and again, it's not if, it's, it really is a when, a layer fails, another layer captures it. Right. And, and, and at minimum sort of notices it and sends some sort of <laughs> notification out, right? Yeah, and that should be part of the process. I mean, if Twitter had, autom- had a system in place that automatically notified users when their profile changed maybe again maybe they do i haven't changed my profile in a long time um hopefully someone would have raised a red flag and said huh i didn't change my profile i wonder what happened it seems like there were there were there were a a number of opportunities for improvement um in their security posture yeah uh what about people um what can users not just what lost cause oh wait Trust no one. Trust no one. Um, that is a security model, though. Zero yeah. trust. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, it is basics, but please enable multi-factor authentication wherever you can. 
that apparently was, wasn't going to help in this scenario. By the way, in the pre-call, we talked a little bit about the, um, the Garmin hack. What do you know about that one, Persona? So I believe that they got hit with ransomware. I want to say it was the end of July. And I just started seeing my Twitter feed blow up because I follow a bunch of people who are into consumer devices. And they're like, I can't connect to Garmin. What's going on? And then I think support was like, uh, we're sorry, we're having issues. Uh, well, it turns out that they were uh, hit with ransomware, which encrypted a bunch of their servers. Um and affected a bunch of their services. So if you had their Garmin smartwatches, um, it couldn't send data back home. And I didn't know, but Garmin is also used for navigation systems in airplanes, like I think the small airplanes. So I think if you didn't have the database of where you were going downloaded beforehand, you're kind of screwed. Nice. That's just what you want when you're up in the middle. <laughs> so I know, I think that there were some issues. I don't know the exact details of how it was affected, but I know that they were also affected. And I think it took them almost like a week and a half. I know that people who might have been using Strava or some of these other services to connect with the Garmin service, I think they were also running into issues and were like, hey, we have no control of this. This is something on the Garmin side. And I think they eventually did end up paying out the ransomware. If I recall. What's what's common about a lot of these ransomware attacks, and I I still believe happen with the Twitter attack, and that is the idea of social engineering. I think that every company should have constant training. You know, I know that like at Druva, we do we do annual security training, which as a person who thinks a lot about security, I often get annoyed at the annual security training, but. The uh, what? you know what the best part of those security trainings are? I don't know if you've okay. seen this, Curtis, is when you get an email that's like they're doing phishing attacks, but it actually turns out it's the security training software sending you emails to see if you will click on a phishing link. And if you do, then they make you do additional training. Nice. Yes. We actually use that as well. I mean, we're a small company at Actual Tech Media, but um, we did implement such a tool um, very early this year. And or no, it was last year actually. And um, we do regular tests and uh, require remediation when there's a failure. And it's important, right? Because that is the way, like you see, said, right? It's the way people get into companies, right? It's a social engineering. Yeah. It's a clicking social on engineering. I yeah, I think social engineering is the easiest way. Especially the bigger the company, the easier or the more likely that social engineering will be successful because you just have to hit enough people, right? Yeah, um, and it works. I mean, it works. Yeah, that's why you hear. I mean, I know of a, 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 a an organization near where I live. I'm not going to get any more detail than that. The um, the uh, payroll person received a request from the CEO for a list of all of the prior years W2s, along with home addresses, social security number, and total amount paid. And that person dutifully responded with a, an Excel sheet. The catch was that the requester was neither the CEO nor was it legitimate. And so the organization had to buy uh, credit monitoring software for all of its employees for like two or three years or something. Oh. And, wow. But those stories, that's so far from uncommon that yeah. it's almost scary. I, I remember another one similar to that where I think someone in accounting got an email from the CEO being like, oh, can you email this for this account's payable to so-and-so address or wired to this account? And the person did it and they didn't realize that it was actually 
uh, someone else. And so they ended up sending like, I think it was like a million dollars or something to some random account and the money was gone. Yeah. In the days, in the days of Bitcoin, that's even pot, you know, it's possible to be even more untraceable. Like this guy, the guy that did the Twitter hack, he didn't get caught because of Bitcoin. He got caught because he didn't cover his tracks when he was doing the actual hack and then notifying people that he had the control. I heard that there were also a couple other people potentially involved. I think there was a teenager in the UK who has not been charged with anything. Correct. Correct. It's just, I, I, and I have a friend, by the way, Scott, uh, that locally. Oh, there's more. (laughs) I have a friend (laughs) whose job it is to do. um, He does physical penetration tests. Um, so his job is to get into a secure facility, you know, to get somewhere in a secure facility where he should not be and take a photo and then get the hell out. And he has always been successful and he, uh, and all he does is use social engineering. Have you seen the YouTube video where these two, just two random guys put on a high visibility vest (laughs) and go wherever they want? Have you seen this persona? I, I, I didn't see the one. I did hear about the one where they put on high visibility vests to get into like three concerts. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's the one. It works. Yep. Social engineering, man. People are suckers for people with clipboards. Clipboards and high vis vests. That's all they had. Uh, They might have had hard hats. They might have had hard hats as well. Yeah. Hard hats. Anyway. Oh, goodness. Well, this is one of those depressing podcasts. So that's why we wanted to have you on, Scott. (laughs) This is. Because <laughs> usually the first thing that happens after somebody listens to me is they end up depressed. So that's fantastic. It's on, it's on right. brand. It's on brand, on brand. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Scott. It was great to thank meet you. you. It was great to meet you as well. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you to our listeners and make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it. Instead, it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit.
run Hoping that just for once it'll be completely done Maybe 